0: Hello
1: and welcome to the VanCast. I'm your host, Graham Eales, and today I'm with one of my old childhood friends, Seabass, or Sebastian. How are you doing, buddy?
0: Hey, Graham. How's it going? Thanks for letting me be on the show. I'm um, pretty, doing, doing pretty well, thank you.
1: I'm doing pretty well myself. So you love food. Yeah. You are from Peru. Yeah, correct. And you went and did school
0: for food in Peru. So tell me about the experience. Well, it was one of a lifetime experience, honestly. I think for me, it was like the hardest decision after like living here in Vancouver for so long, going to a place where the culture, is so diverse. Like living here in Vancouver was kind of like a big bubble for me at first, going through all of high school. And when I used to like meet up with Latinos in Vancouver, they wouldn't really recognize me as a Latino just because of the way I was raised. So like that was one of the signs that I had to like go back to Peru and learn the cuisine. So they there. were
1: a little bit biased, I guess, against you. Or? I guess
0: so, yeah. Just cause like my mentality was way different than theirs. So like I feel like I got disconnected from my roots from Peru. So it's like one of the reasons why I got motivated to go back and study, cause I really didn't know much about one country where I'm from.
1: So you joined a program.
0: Yeah, I joined Le Cordon Bleu in Peru. It's um, it was an international French school for cooking. But Peru has its own program with it, where they teach us Peruvian cuisine as well as as well as some other theory courses.
1: So, tell me about arriving in Peru and that sort of experience.
0: It was fun at first. I arrived as soon as I got there. It was fun because it was the summer. But once class started, it was a bit odd, I guess, just because everything was in Spanish, and then like all the people there were sort of. Really young, honestly. They were all, like, 19 years old. Like, they were two or three years younger than me. And, like, the first year or the first semester was chill. I just, like, stayed at my grandparents' house there. Tried to reconnect with them because I haven't seen them in years. And it was nice because, like, every week we cook a dish. And then we usually, I practice that dish at home. And then during class, I cook it and get graded for it. And later on in second semester when I started to make friends over there and that part was really fun because like it would what we would do every day we all get together and like cook a meal as like a hobby and that became like an everyday thing. It was something I really enjoyed. What was your first meal that they had you? make oh it was it was french food believe it or not it wasn't that exciting it was like how to poach an egg how to make an omelet, just the basics how to make stock yeah and also like precision cuts too yeah the first year like in their culinary school they teach us how in the kitchen it's 40 percent cleaning up and the other six you're actually cooking so in the first year, like, we really focused on cleaning, and scrubbing down, prep. doing a bunch of prep. We didn't really get much to cook in until second year.
1: So what was each semester? What did they go over?
0: Hmm. So the first three semesters was French cuisine. We had like the introduction level, the basic level, and the technical level. And then once we finished that, we had a semester of Peruvian cuisine, which um, each week was a different region of Peru. And we do like typical plates from each region. That one was really fun. I enjoyed it a lot.
1: Because it helped you learn about the culture.
0: Oh, for sure. Yeah. We also had a really good teacher named Javier Ampuero. He's apart from being a chef at the Institute. He's also like a TV chef star
1: in peru personality
0: yeah so he was really good at explaining things about the history of peru how like a bunch of the immigrants to say like when the spaniards came in the 1500s they brought a bunch of their ingredients to peru and that's what became like kind of a, the spaniard peruvian fusion and they were like trading ingredients like peru was the founder of corn we found the tomatoes and potatoes So like when the Spaniards came, all that trade of food was so key to the survival of Europe because they were going through all that famine, and potatoes. It's like what pretty much saved the potato famine. Yeah,
1: yeah, they relied on those potatoes. Mm -hmm. That's very cool. Yeah. And also while you're in Peru,
0: did you get a chance to visit some restaurants? A bit, yeah. More than restaurants in Peru, like what we have are like the little cheap spots. Like let's say like you go to a market. And in the market, I'd say there's, like, 20 restaurants. But, like, two out of those 20, like, little spot restaurants are really good. And it's for, like, a really cheap price. And, like, I'd usually go to those. Like, the really fancy ones they were kind of out of my budget at the time, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> but, like, usually, like, there's a lot of cheap food there. Like, and if you know, like, where to find them, like... We need to know the locals, right? Yeah, you exactly. need to know,
1: because the, they know all the little spots.
0: Yeah, knowing the locals is good. There's this, like, one famous market called, like, Surquillo which I go there every week to buy all my produce for home or when I'm practicing. And like the people there like got to know me by the end of it. And it was like really fun to be around like a community where it involves food and involves people, you know. So what sort of equipment do you need for these sort of classes? Like for day one, what do you have with you ready? For day one, it's pretty simple. Just your chef knife, um, your peeler. And they do they provide you with a knife? Yeah, we they gave us like a starting kit at first with a bunch of things. They gave us like an office knife, which is like the little turning knife, a deboning knife, a fillet knife, a chef knife, a bread knife, peelers. One of the things that was my favorite is the rubber spatula. That thing like gets out like all the sauces and everything because it's really flexible and it'll leave you with no food waste whatsoever. The
1: rubber spatula. Yeah,
0: that one's my favorite. That's very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, while you were there, did you
1: get a chance to go to the club, see some artwork, see the culture? What's the culture? What is Peruvian
0: oh. culture? Peruvian culture it varies from zone to zone. So Peru like divides them into three zones. There's like the coast the desert which is in the middle which is pretty much like all of the andes region and then there's the amazon jungle which is like more to the east which is like most of it's like unknown but where i was where i was studying in lima sacaparis in the coast the nightlife there is pretty fun there's no i mean the clubs there go on till sunrise so like usually you know we like pre-dray and come like it was either my house or a friend's house and then we'd go out at like 12 or 1 a.m party hard until like five in the morning most like most most of what the clubs play are reggaeton but i'm not really what what is what is that reggaeton is like spanish trap spanish trap spanish trap with a latino like vibe into it i don't know it's it's not my kind of vibe it's not your cup of tea not my cup of tea But, yeah, my friends also liked electronic music, so we went like, a bunch of, like, deep house, house shows or technos, which is, like, there's a bunch of them over there. Surprisingly, the nightlife in Lima is a lot better than here in Vancouver. What was your favorite part of going to school in Peru? My favorite part? Probably going to the kitchen classes, because we also took, like, a bunch of theory classes, too. We had, like, there was one semester where we took, like, administration, marketing, and, um, like, a, a course about opening up a business. And they tried to cram, like, a whole, like, a two-year course into, like, four months. So it was, oh, like, gosh. a lot of, yeah, it was a lot of information. And it was just, like, memorizing the questions because, like, it'll go in one year out the other. But, yeah, kitchen was nice. But some of my classes were at 7 a.m. So I had to wake up at 5.30.
1: Oh, my god! Make
0: myself breakfast, shower. Well, that's the cook ready. life, right? Yeah. It's like I kind of see it similar to
1: the military where it's very structured. Oh, you for sure. You have your head commander. They'll throw a knife at
0: you, tell, mm-hmm. <laughs> tell you you got to be on point. That's true. I remember in first semester, I didn't know, like, when I was, like, subscribing to my courses, I didn't know who, which chef was who. And You know, each chef has their own different personality. So when I, like, so when I applied for my course sheet, I got these two chefs. Um, both of them retired now. But they were both like the strictest chefs there ever was in the cordon. There's this one course we had to take was like storage. It was pretty much like the dry storage of the whole institute. We had to go there, organize all the ingredients, like get all the prep ready before classes. And that teacher for that was so strict. Before we go into class, everyone had to go in a lineup, and he he looked at each and every one person. An inspector uniform, it was completely clean. If you had, like, a little spot somewhere, he'd kick you out. And if your nails were a little bit long, he'd kick you out. I remember from my first class, he, he said, like, I sent an email about a week ago saying that boys have to have their hair shorter than two centimeters. And then Whoa. we're all lined up. And he points at me, you lift up your hat. Like, I lift up my hat. Like, my hair wasn't even that long. And then there was a girl next to me happened to be one of my best friends i didn't know her at the time and then he asked her hey you go to my office and get a ruler and she had to go get a ruler from her office and she was measuring my hair and then the chef asked her how much is his hair how long is his hair he's like six centimeters it's like okay you gotta go oh my god i was like jesus christ after that i just shaved my head (laughs) you have any
1: other funny
0: stories from the chef Uh, from this one
1: yeah
0: it's just not sort of funny or brutal, though. Like, if we'd finish, like, two minutes late, he'd give us, like, a 30%, a 20% for the day's class. What? Yeah, and, like, right before that class, we had our kitchen class, like, back-to-back. It was, like, probably the worst decision I've ever made in my life. So, like, if we were doing late in that class, like, our chef would be waiting for us, like, on the floor below will, like, come up and, like, always have, like, discussions with the other chef Like, oh, why are you holding up the- our students for so long? I have class with them. And then they'll always get into fights. But by the end of it, that chef from the stores and I, like, we both became, like, really good friends.
1: Because you you understand why he's so yeah, strict. Yeah, he
0: was so strict. Like, he was just trying to teach us, like, this is what the kitchen life is. Like, there will put you down to the ground. And I'm just trying to get you guys ready for that moment. We had to do, like, a final project. It was, like, a... A bonnie book so we had to find like about like 60 different types of like herbs and spices like in the market we had to dry them and then we had to like put them in a book with a a technical label on them saying like their scientific names and characteristics and like, that was a project that like i really spent a lot of time on i just wanted to like to show him like what i was like capable of doing and then he gave me a really good mark for it and then after that we started talking and he was a really really nice guy so on the opposite side of that, who was the nicest teacher? Um, th- the nicest teacher is this, um, this guy from Argentina who I had in second semester for a kitchen. Him and I are still homies. He's just like, on an Argentina, they have like this, like, I guess stereotype that like most Argentinians are chillers and like they're like usually good vibes. So yeah, second semester was like my easygoing semester. All my teachers were super chill, even for pastry too at this really chill Peruvian pastry teacher. And it was fine, it was like another experience. We had like we had a lot of fun in the kitchen, there wasn't that much pressure. But the thing was like not having pressure during a semester when your final exam comes, things oh, can get yeah. tricky. Yeah. Like I got lucky, like I did fine on my exam, but like a couple of my best friends like didn't do so well because they were like in such a no pressure zone all semester. So the final exam, how it goes, is you have to create one plate and that one plate is worth like pretty much 40% of your final grade.
1: So it's not, is it, you have to like, do you have to uh, write out the ingredients, write out how you prep
0: it or you just (laughs) do it? It's a ballot. So they give you like, okay, there's these five plates that you need to practice. One of these five plates will come on your test and then you won't know until the day of the test. And it's like, okay, this class, you get this plate. Another class gets another plate to do. So tell me about your final exam. Um, for the second semester, we got the pig pig tenderloin um filled with uh, dates with honey dates. That one was fine because I used to go to tutoring class every Saturday. Okay. Yeah, in the first year, I always went to tutoring class just to like so I could, like um get my experience better, and there, and there were free classes too. The only thing I had to do is like bring my food, and there would be a chef there to help me out in my spare time. So I took advantage of that and i gotta say like tutoring classes helped out a lot and pretty much you have to like write a flow chart like step by step what process you're going to make so like oh first i gotta like braid the meat and then after i gotta cut the veggies first i gotta cook this before then i do that so you have to have like a really good flow diagram for things to flow out in your exam
1: so in a in a general sense what do you start with would you like you cook the meat first, or you saute the mushrooms first.
0: It depends on the plate. Um, for that exam, I started with the meat just because like, I have to use like the red table. And then, like once I'm done with the pig, like I have to d- disinfect everything and then clean. So I always like usually start with the meats, just because cause it's like the most. Because um, you have to clean after. I have to clean after and disinfect, so it makes more sense to start with that clean and then like go with veggies and whatnot.
1: So, what I'm fascinated about is you went to Peru, you got all this new culture, you got all this experience, you obviously passed, mm-hmm.
0: and you came back to Vancouver. Yeah. What was the transition like? The transition, honestly, it was kind of nice. I mean, the last year in Peru, I was kind of like tired of it. Like people there are, aren't very conscious, they're kind of ignorant with like world news, so just like the way they act. They don't really if they see like another person kind of like succeed they'll kind of like try to bring you down and that was like a bit rough so like i was on my last year there i was kind of like by myself a little bit
1: a little isolated a little
0: isolated yeah exactly because like i didn't really never like really experienced that like in elementary and high school like my bros (laughs) were my bros like if someone like saw other the other person doing good like you know they cheer you on yeah um but there like there were times where like people were trying to bring me down People are, like, starting, like, fake rumors about me. It was, like, it was, like, kind of, like, dumb high school stuff. Like, I didn't, like, stand up for it. So, I kind of just, like, distanced myself and just, like, focused on my studies.
1: Well, it shows that they're threatened normally. Mm -hmm. Someone out there is threatened by you, so they try to take you down. Yeah. I
0: kind of got, like, mad at first about it. Like, oh, I hate, like, I hate these people. They're so mean. Yeah. So ignorant. But then, like... I kind of like understand why they're like that because, like, it's not really their fault. It's like how they're raised. And there's nothing really much you can do about that well, in a society can, yeah. where, like, governments corrupt, everyone's mean to each other. So it's not like I can't really blame them personally.
1: Well, all you can do is be the best person for yourself. Yeah. And hopefully people follow. Mm-hmm. And if you believe in karma, they'll get it eventually. And you'll get it eventually, too. So true that you just got to work hard, man. Yeah. But so coming back to Vancouver, it was nice. You had, obviously you have a lot of friends in Vancouver, yeah. so that must've been nice. Yeah. It
0: was nice to come back home, see my friends, like be in my neighborhood once again. And life here is so much more relaxing than Peru. Like Lima has like 11 million people living in it. And it's just very condensed, very lots small. of traffic, lots of people walking around, lots of honking. And
1: will you get, get English back? Everyone's speaking English. Yeah. That's a big thing for you. That's true. Yeah did you Did you come back and cook a big meal with your friends?
0: yeah, yeah, I'm doing that often like at least like once a week I'm like cooking with my friends mostly um, last night, I made like a rack of lamb with uh, Max Westy at his house it was it was enjoyable. Those are the things I kinda like doing every night, like if I'm like bored like hey, let's cook something, you know like it's a good like social activity to do like if you're so I like keep myself busy. What's your favorite cuisine to cook? favorite cuisine <sighs> um to, t- to cook yourself to not cook necessarily myself. to eat to cook myself the Peruvian cuisine is actually kind of nice it's like it's easy it's pretty much just like put everything in a pot give it a good seasoning and, you're good and, to and cook. let it, let it stew for a bit and it's nice yeah, the Peruvian cuisine is what I like the most and it has like such like a good place to like develop just because there's so much so many ingredients in Peru Peru's known to be the country with like most microclimates in the world it has like 200 and something microclimates. It's crazy. That's you can so grow wild. anything there. That is so wild. They also have like 3,000 different types of potato. Like that's ridiculous. What I am didn't I gonna even know there was 3,000. Three <laughs> <laughs> like what <laughs> am I going to do with 3,000 potatoes? Like what's going on here? You got to expand that palette. Yeah. It's... You could open a potato shop. <laughs> <laughs> like most of the potatoes are grown like within like 5,000 meters above sea level. It's crazy. You got the the Gucci potato worth $100 a gram <laughs> where you sprinkle gold on top when you serve it. Golden potato. What do you think
1: about all that? It's Adding gold and Google. putting diamonds in your
0: in yep. your champagne glass. And I mean, the champagne is the place, something I've never heard of. But, like, I've seen, like, people with, like, the gold sheets putting them, like, on ants and stuff. I find it kind of cool. I mean, if it's their vibe of kitchen, I don't think I'd eat it. But, like, I don't hate on it. But... Because
1: does it add flavor?
0: No, it's just more aesthetic. It's just, just all aesthetic. Yeah, it's just for the plate. And I don't know, like very like modern plate. There's some, it's not, it's very complicated to judge. There's a lot of like different opinions in kitchen. I've noticed that in the last semester. because like if I like make one plate and I show it to one chef, like one chef will say one thing like, oh, the sauce is really good, but I don't like the meat. But like and then I show it to another chef, he'll exactly. be like, Oh no, I really like the meat, but I don't <laughs> like the sauce. So it's kinda like so you that's a mess with your audience. Yeah, exactly. Like gave me a headache at first. I was like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing right or wrong. And then I realised, wait, there really isn't a right or wrong. It's more like what your opinion is. Well, it's kinda like art, right? It's yeah. some people like Picasso, some people like
1: a different artist. Mm-hmm. It's all about perspective and point of view. But there are basics that you need to learn like exactly. how, how to stroke the brush and yeah. things like that. So moving on to the food that you enjoy eating, not just
0: prepping, but what do you enjoy eating? I uh, enjoy eating ceviche. Ceviche is like this fish dish in Peru. That's very traditional. It's um, it's pretty much raw fish. You cut raw fish in cubes of like three centimeters. And it comes with this um, marinated thing with like Peruvian lemons. The Peruvian lemons are super tiny. And they're very acidic because of the different soil Peru has compared to here. It's the soil in Peru. It's different, makes the fruit more acidic. And with that, we use some um, Peruvian chili called a Gilimo. And that's some salt, some cilantro, some red onions cut in feathers. And we pretty much just mix that all. And what it does is like the lemon cooks the fish because of the acidic level. And it's pretty much like a hangover cure. Let's say like you go out drinking and then you wake up with some massive hangover, you eat a ceviche, you're completely sober. Do you also have like some sort of chips to scoop
1: or is it just by um, We
0: usually do with yams and corn. Usually, no, we don't really use chips. Like the crunchy element of it, it's like the onions cause they're raw. Because at the ceviche
1: at Cactus Club, the, they have like little thingies on the side to, to uh, dip. No, but no. that's definitely not a classic Peruvian ceviche. No.
0: There's like different types of ceviche, like in each South American country or Central American country. And like the Mexico one, like they use um, uh, avocado. <laughs> <laughs> and the one in Peru, we don't use avocado. Um, the one in Ecuador, they serve it hot, which is weird, and they put ketchup on it, like, sounds disgusting, but <laughs> and then the one in... Wait, well, hold up. Did you just say ketchup? Yeah, they use ketchup. That it's, sounds
1: so it's bad. It's
0: weird, yeah. It's, I don't know what they do with it. It's oh, weird. weird. Yeah, there's different types of ceviche, but like ceviche was originated in Peru. It dates way back before the Spaniards came, like, a thousand years ago. It was, like, a way to conserve the fish because of the acid levels, like it cooked the fish and it kept them like, somewhat stable for a little, t- a little while. So yeah, that goes back like thousands of years ago. That's a conservative um, technique for the fish, how the Incas used to do it.
1: So you also have a couple knives, right? Some Japanese steel. Yeah, I got a
0: couple, I got two or three of them, my babies. Which ones do you have? I have a Nakiri, a Kumo Nakiri. It's a st- AG-10 stainless steel. I like the stainless steels just cause they don't rust. I don't have to sharpen them that often. It's like a really good go-to, and also like the, the sharpness of it stays for a long time. And I also have a santoku, um, which is like my go-to knife for filleting or deboning. With those two, I'm pretty happy. But I don't. I'm not the type of person who has like a. I'm a fanatic of knives. I need to like get one like every month. Like, with, like, the set I have right now, I've had that same set for, like, two years. Well, good
1: knives will last a long time. Yeah, That's what makes them good. Mm-hmm. Do you know how many times they fold fold them for a good knife? Because I heard what makes it good is the folding of the... The folding, the, like, when you steel. sharpen it with the stone? Or the way they create it, because you
0: see the little lines. Oh, yeah, the all the, the, yeah. the Damascus, that's, like, all the sheets of uh, metal. Yeah, so but how many sheets I is... Think- a, I think mine, one of them has like 47. It's either 47 or 27. I can't remember quite well, but it's a lot of sheets. So like around 40 to 100 would be a really good knife. Probably, yeah.
1: That's pretty cool. Yeah,
0: it's it's an artwork. Like all those knives are crazy. Where do you eat in Vancouver? What is your favorite place to eat? Usually to eat? Oh, good question. I like a lot of Asian food here. The sushi in Vancouver is probably by far my favorite. I've had sushi in Peru. Like the hand rolled sushi, yeah, and it's nothing compared to the sushi here. The sushi Vancouver has to be one of the best in the world, in my opinion. I think
1: it has to do with the Japanese people we have. We have Japanese culture, but we also have good, good fish. Yeah, we have really good sure. fish. So you combine the two things, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of competition. Yeah. Oh yeah, every block there's a Japanese. Yeah, restaurant it's just, just like great. Starbucks. It's Japanese restaurants mm-hmm. everywhere also thai food here is great vietnamese food i love it pho 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 yeah pha, is that how you can pronounce pha. it yeah and then with a nice vietnamese sub on the side oh it's so great
0: dip it in Kills. oh so good yeah what else what other cuisine asian food i mean pretty much in my go-to here is asian food i've had like french food here but i mean i can just make that at home it's not something i'm not it's something like i have experience with like for me i have no experience in asian food like thai food japanese food um vietnamese food like my knowledge is very little
1: if you had a plane ticket anywhere around the world to try cuisine thailand and which restaurant in thailand or or what
0: the thailand i i go in the streets i feel like that's where you learn the most when you go to the street um the little we have like you know like their cartwheels and they're selling like their little dishes that's that's just the places to go there you do you do need to be careful because you can get sick right if you don't you yeah I mean eat. in Peru it's the same thing It's kind of like your stomach has to adapt to it in Peru like my first couple of months like I had like a rough time in the washroom but then it, my stomach turned to steel after a while your biome adapts I think so yeah I mean I started just eating like raw meat at one point and I was like completely fine wait
1: what you would just like eat raw
0: red meat like Right before like I Like used, beef sashimi kind of? Yeah, kind of yeah, like a carpaccio. Like before like I cook the meat, like take, I cut like, I always like cut like a little piece off and like eat it just to try it and see how it is. And you don't really get affected at all? No, not at all.
1: That's that's really cool. Yeah. So what about after you drink? When you get wasted, you're drunk, you're like, I want something greasy, I want something heavy.
0: Oh, burgers, I think are my go to. I've always like liked burgers. Honestly. I'm I'm a
1: fat fat guy myself.
0: Yeah, if I'm, like, super drunk and I want something to eat, burgers, or some kind of sandwich, something that I can, like, have my hands on and take big See, bites out of it. This is my burger. Uh, definitely something I don't need cutlery for. That's my go-to. Usually one of my favorite sandwiches is um, chicharron. It's, like, a typical Peruvian sandwich where they... First they boil the pancetta, and then after they boil the pig pancetta, they deep fry it, and then they cut into they cut into small slices, put in a sandwich with mian potatoes, some salsa criolla, which is a typical Peruvian um, sauce with onions, lemon, some chilies. And that's like probably my best drunk food ever to eat. If you were hired to cook for the prime minister, three
1: courses, well just appetizer, dinner, dessert for the prime minister. So basically like someone very, very prestigious, what would you cook them? For the
0: Prime Minister here, mm, let's see. If it was the Canadian Prime Minister, I'd definitely try to use some ingredients from here. Maybe I'll start with an appetizer of something, of a fish, maybe like a steelhead trout. Maybe cure the steelhead trout and give it with some, who knows, like some faba bean, faba bean puree, maybe some kind of sabayon, sabayon tung, Sweeten it up a little bit. What's that? with sabayon? Sabayon is like the egg yolks. You pretty much are whisking the egg yolks at very low temperature until it reaches like sixty three degrees. Wow, precise! And if you're consistently whisking it, what it does is like it triples its volume. It's what they do to make the hollandaise sauce, kind of. Okay. Yeah, so the egg yolks like triple its volume and it becomes like very foamy. It's like a very nice taste, and pretty much like once you have that, you can add like pretty much any flavor to it. So, like, maybe, like, I do that sabayon with, like, a little tiny bit of maple syrup to, like, sweeten it up. Because, like, in your palate, you have, like, the sweet buds, the salty buds, the acidic, and the bitter. And the way to make a good plate is to have, like, one of each. So, once you get that spoonful, all the palates activate, and you get that, like, umami sensation. And you
1: taste it them all separately, not all mixed together.
0: Yeah. Right. And, yeah, I definitely do that. And then for... My main course, maybe some smoked elk with some, like, mixed greens. What else, do, what else does Vancouver or Canada have? See, the like, Canadian, like, agriculture, what, yeah, I'm not what too is familiar. Ca- Canadian cuisine is very... It's something that yet, yet has to be discovered. But I've seen, like, a lot of restaurants. I've seen some ingredients, like, I've never seen before in my life here. Like, a bunch of vegetables that are, like, completely new. They have, like, a bunch of mushrooms here, too, that they grow, like, in B.C. I love mushroom pickers here in BC. And your dessert? My dessert? Maple syrup ice cream. (laughs) Oh, Oh, uh, I'm trying to think. Desserts are tricky. Because usually desserts, for a dessert on plate, there's usually like 10 elements to it. And then kind of like all has to go together. But maybe like a deep fried matcha tea ice cream. Oh, that sounds good. That would be, that would be pretty nice. I, that just like came out of my head right now. it's just, it's hard. Like I usually like, before I make dinner, I go to, I usually don't know what I want to eat until I go to the supermarket and like, I look at like all the food and like, once I look at the food, I can like start picking out things. It's kind of nice just like to be able to create like a meal right from scratch. Well, as a chef, everyone
1: expects you to love all food, but is that realistic? Do like chefs love,
0: food? you love everything? Is there nothing that you don't like? I mean, I've, I like to try everything. Let me see, something I don't like. There's definitely is something I don't like. It might take a minute to think about it. But most of the things I do like, honestly, maybe like processed foods I don't like. You don't I, like McDonald's? No, I don't like McDonald's, no.
1: So you well, yeah, you're obviously into healthy food and processed yeah. food is terrible for you. Yeah. You, what about, but like, I
0: feel like I'm, I'll probably have McDonald's maybe like once or twice a year. Like you never know the situation, but it's not something like I like. Try to. Yeah, go try Go out of your to way eat, to go yeah, to McDonald's. Exactly.
1: Yeah. And, and do you support grass-fed meat?
0: I do. I do support it. But also like meat, red meats, I know it's really bad in agriculture and how like it's polluting the world. I still eat red meats, but to like a certain extent.
1: Well, I think it has to do with not eating red meat, but the production of the red meat. Like if I were to hunt all my food mm-hmm. with a bow and arrow, it's pretty natural. Oh, yeah, that's okay. completely fine. And it's okay for the environment, mm-hmm. right? It's all probably the best way to do it. But yeah. where you get the problem is this mass production and they're trying to do everything to make a scent. So they'll they'll use um, antibiotics or drugs and they'll mm-hmm. keep them in these confined spaces. And it's pretty much gets to the point of being torture for these animals
0: oh yeah it's horrible horrific
1: but at the same time we need to feed all these people right
0: mm-hmm. so there there needs to be a balance yeah. that we need to come to Yeah, know i've been trying to eat like a lot of chicken just because like the chicken like it it's less um it it kills less trees it's like more i guess eco-friendly in quotes than red meats also been trying to eat a lot of fish too and it's also good for you yeah chicken's really nice chicken's always like my go-to just because it's so cheap like in in Peru I always like I used to like do like my weekly preps for food for like dinner and lunch like I would be like one day where like I cut everything like portion everything vacuum seal some things and then like for the rest of the week I have like pretty much pre-made food just like whenever I'm hungry I just get like a little package reheat it and I'm good to go
1: and you try to eat fairly healthy somewhat yeah so yeah. what are some tips for people if they want to
0: stay healthy but also not have to just eat? Yeah. I mean, usually for a good like healthy pl- dish, you want like 60% of carbs or 55% of carbs, 25% of protein and then 20% of um grease. And how it usually goes What about vegetables and? Well, yeah, that's where you vegetables are usually in like the carb and protein section of okay. it. Okay. Yeah. So usually for a meal you want like your protein like a piece of chicken which is your starter like your main thing and then you want like two vegetable um sides and then one meat side or no sorry one carb side so like potatoes or yam fries or rice or something like that. That's usually like a, the best healthiest thing to do like one protein, two sa- veggie sides and then one carb side. So you
1: are a chef. And you spend a lot of your time cooking. What do you do for fun
0: on the side when you're not cooking? Uh, for fun, I usually... I like to go a lot of bike rides. That's one of my things. I used, if, I used to go to the gym a lot. Right now I'm like taking a little vacation from it. Where do you bike around Vancouver? Bike around... I usually bike along the seawall. Beautiful. I like the seawall a lot too.
1: Well... I really appreciate you doing this interview with me. Yeah, no worries. It's been awesome. Do you have an Instagram or anything you would like to shout out? Um, yeah, um, I have my Instagram. It's called
0: Ohaldere Compadre. I don't know. I'll, uh, I'll put it in the description. Yeah, yeah you can pretty much check out. I usually post foods or I post like nice like scene pics where I'm like smoking weed like in some park or something like that. But yeah, so, yeah it's mostly about food. Cool. Well, thanks for coming, guys. Awesome. Thank you, Graham.